Welcome to the Adorned Women Podcast. Our goal is to inspire you with new stories each week featuring women of faith from all over the world and all walks of life. Through weekly discussions with each sister in Christ, we hope to give you a glimpse into who they are and how their lives have been transformed by the gospel. We're all in this journey together, so let's be inspired together. Hello, Adorned Women. Welcome back to the Adorned Women podcast, and happy Mother's Day to those of you who are mothers. I'm your host, Alicia, and this week I'm actually trying something a little bit different with the introduction. Usually I write it out and then read it off my screen, but I thought, hey, why not try to add a little bit more personality in there? And so I am winging it this week, and this is like my 10th try, so I'm not sure if it's worth it or not. But anyways, this week's guest is Amy, and Amy is another full-time ministry worker with YWAM. She has kind of been all over the place, currently lives in the U.S., but actually spent some time in China. And really, an interesting part of her story is that she was living with her family, her husband and five kids in China when COVID happened. And so that was quite a big blow to her and her family. And it was really interesting to hear how she processed through that, what the questioning was like, because of course there was questioning. I mean, even I had questioning and I was not living in China when COVID hit. But it's really neat to hear that and other instances of just human human weaknesses, things like fear and doubt that Amy experienced during her time in ministry and with her family and just in the decisions she made as God led her. I loved hearing the honest take on it, really. She's not afraid of her weaknesses. She's not afraid to share about times when she might have been wrong or she thought she might have been wrong or she thought even God was wrong. You know, um, I don't think she ever thought God was wrong, but you know, you have those moments and we all do. And so it's just cool to hear her story and hear her share about that and even share right now. She is not a hundred percent you know, set. It's not a happy ending. She's still living life and navigating what she's supposed to do now that COVID is starting to wind down and she's still looking to get back into ministry overseas because she does feel that that's what God has called her to. And so as you listen today, whether you identify with some of Amy's struggles or you identify with her personality or maybe even some of her story, as always, Our heart is for you to draw closer to God and draw closer to others. So find something today to take away that helps you feel motivated and feel more committed to take that next step, whatever that is for you, to move closer to God and to grow closer to others in your community. I don't know what that is for you, but I hope you'll find it today. Enjoy today's conversation. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the Adorned Women podcast. So excited to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, it is the day after Mother's Day, and so we're so excited to have you on because I know motherhood is a big part of your life. (laughs) And so with that, um, we'll definitely be touching on that some, but I wanted to start off just asking, can you share with our listeners where you're at right now? Yeah, um, I live in Colorado Springs currently. Yeah, and you Uh haven't always been there, so um, can you share (laughs) kind of how you ended up where you are today? Yeah. So we were actually on staff in Denver for eight years. And then in 2018, we transitioned to China. Um, And because of COVID, we have come back to the United States and have landed in Colorado Springs. 
Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely get into the story of that a little bit later. Um, but I would love to hear just uh, quick from you at the beginning here. What are some of your favorite things about where you're living right now? What are the, some of the things that God has blessed you with? Mm, the mountains, definitely. We're right outside the foothills. So it's pretty easy to get in for hiking. And yeah, that was my favorite part about being in Denver. And so being able to just come back to Colorado has been a very unexpected blessing. Get outside, the sunshine. We love being outside. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I also love mountains and sunshine. So Colorado is pretty great in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what you spend your time doing, so you mentioned being on staff. Can you share mm-hmm. who you're on staff with and how you spend your days these days? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're on staff with Youth with a Mission or YWAM. And currently, I am not directly involved with our students. Um, I have ongoing relationships with our staff. Uh, We do community building with our staff to invite them into our home and into our family, which is really fun. Um, So that's what I, that's my part as we're on staff here. Um, But typically, I'm spending time with my five kids. I don't know if I can get into that now. Uh, So I have five children and I homeschool them. So we are together all the time, every day, almost every moment of every day. So that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, yeah. By all means, go ahead and share about your kids. I would love to hear about them. That's a lot of kids, but I'm sure each of them are unique. Can you share some of the things that make them unique and just what you see in each of them? Yes, absolutely. So my oldest is 12. His name is Malachi, and he is an amazing child. He's, I guess, probably like a typical firstborn um, he loves to read. He is a natural leader and protector of his siblings, which is really cool. He also has a really incredible mind for, um, creating things and he loves to create games. So oftentimes I will walk in and he'll have five or six of our games all over his floor and he's used them to create a completely new game. Um, that's something he's really talented in. Um, my second born is Lucas. He's 10. He is our sports guy. If he can spend his entire life outside with any kind of ball, that would be like ideal for him. Um, he too is really creative and uh, just in a very different way. It's neat to see. There's so many similarities, but at the same time, wildly different. My third born, we call him our super middle child since he's in the middle of five. His name's Josiah and he's seven. He is our feeler. He's our big feeler, has big emotions, um, and it's been really neat to see him grow and kind of learn what that what that means and how to use them for the benefit of others. He's very intuitive to other people's feelings because he feels so big. Um, so that's a really neat strength that we've seen him grow in. Um, Zeke is our fourth boy. He is five. We call him our wild child. He also is big emotions. We say he is either like the most snuggly and the most affectionate child, or he's <laughs> raging <laughs> and crazy. Um, he would, if he could be outside in the mud all day, that would be his ideal place. Um, but he also has a such a tender heart. He's a big physical touch guy. Oftentimes when he, his emotions are big in the maybe, maybe the more negative way, he'll just come up and just want me to rub his hand. And that instantly calms him down and kind of levels him. So he too is super compassionate. He loves younger kids, but he is willing to do everything that his bigger brothers are doing and try crazy things because he's has three big brothers, right? 
And then last we have Ella, who is just turned four, her only little girl. And she also is very wild and tough and resilient. And I always joke that if she wasn't, she probably wouldn't have survived her first year of life having four big brothers. Because <laughs> we're a very like Russell, rougher with all the boys. And she will dive right in. But she also loves lip gloss and to get her hair done and wearing tutus. So it's a really cool um, combination of super tough, but also she's a sweet little girl. So it's they're really fun. Yeah, that's great. I love hearing you share about your kids. And I'm curious, you know, since it's Mother's Day, and we'll get into some more things that have shaped you, but I'm sure your kids have shaped you in some way. What are some of the biggest lessons mm-hmm. you've learned from raising your kids? Wow, um, so many. I think they've probably been my biggest refining tool that the Lord has used, actually, um, because just my relationship with them, things in me that maybe aren't the best have been magnified if you will, that I don't think I would have noticed without them. Actually, I was just journaling about it today, about how they have, yeah, just brought out things in me that aren't so good, but also really helped me see the love of the Father in the way that I also don't think I would have noticed um, without having them and their unique personalities. Um, So yeah, they've shown me the beauty, but also, I guess, like the beast in me. (laughs) Yeah. Now, if you could take me back a little bit. So you're at this point, you've, you've gone to China, we haven't touched on that. And um, Mm -hmm. you have all these kids that you've been raising for the last several years. What are some of the things that have made you who you are today? And that have gotten you to this point? How has God led you throughout your life? Yeah, so I I grew up in going to church and knowing the Lord, um, mostly in my head. Uh, You know, I knew all the right Bible story answers and the songs and hymns and all that, which is, it was a beautiful foundation and I'm super grateful for it. Um, But there were a few pretty pivotal moments, I think, that really made my relationship with the Lord mine. And one of them was in high school with just a family situation. Um, That was not good, but it really showed me the reality of God's love and God's grace and His redemption that I had never experienced before. And it was, it was one of those things where you, you can read about them in the Bible about how, of course, God's a redeeming God, but to have that experience in your own family was really pivotal. I was like, wow, this is actually for me too. It's not just a story. And so that was pretty significant for me. That was my junior year in high school um, that I really made the decision, okay, God, like I, I want to actually follow you instead of just say the right things and go to church when I'm supposed to and, and all of that. So that was probably my biggest pivotal moment that kind of set up the trajectory of my life. Yeah. That's such an important moment too, especially when you were raised in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, obviously before you move on real quick, I wanted to ask what are some of the differences in how your walk with the Lord looked from knowing him in your head and then really choosing to follow him? Yeah. Um, That's a good question. I think one easy one is that it went from doing it out of an obligation because I knew it's what I was supposed to. Both my parents were in leadership at the church with the choir director and worship pastor. And um, they had titles. And so there was an obligation on us kids to show up and to participate and to do all the things. 
And after that pivot, I, I realized like, actually I get to do this. So it went from I have to, to I get to, and that's, that's actually been a transformative way of thinking that has carried me through the rest of my life of, I don't have to do this, but I actually get to, like, it's an honor to sacrifice my time and it's an honor to put aside different things for the betterment of what God's calling me to, um, that I don't have to do that, but I get to. Yeah. So you really met Christ, um, in high school. Um, beyond Mm -hmm. that, what what was kind of the next step where you saw God really move in your life? Okay. Uh, so my sophomore year was my sophomore year of college and my husband and I now husband, we were dating and actually got engaged. We took a semester off from college to do a discipleship training school with YWAM. And during that time, we, it's a three month of lecture and then two months of outreach. And we were doing tsunami relief in Thailand and Indonesia. And I don't remember there was a devastating tsunami in 2004, Christmas of 2004. And so we were doing tsunami relief and I remember being there and thinking, why, why did I not know? Why have I never known that this is like what some of the world is like just being in those places and seeing this heartache and devastation where I've had, you know, faced heartache and all that, but it was, it was different where the reality of the only hope that these people had was the hope of Jesus was on like something I never experienced before. And for me, that was my first time traveling overseas. That was my first time really seeing the power of the gospel to transform lives was extremely significant. Yeah, that that is a crazy statement you just said. Like the only hope they had was a hope in Jesus. That's a, mm-hmm. I think there can be a lot of people in different areas that don't ever really recognize that kind of, oneness of the hope of Christ, just how it rises above every other hope we have, because we have, a lot of us have so many other hopes, you know, it's easy to put things up there, Mm -hmm. but um, to be in that kind of devastation, that's crazy. Um, So that kind of sparked something in you for overseas, I'm guessing, (laughs) since you went Mm -hmm. again later. So how did, how did that kind of go from there? Yeah. So my husband, his family has a history of like a rich heritage of missionaries and their family. So he's always felt a call to missions. And I was like, that's really cool, but that sounds uncomfortable. And it sounds like not really something I would ever choose for myself. But then I think that just that realization of like, wow, there are, there are people who have never heard the name of Jesus and whose only hope is him. Let's just go, let's go and bring that wherever, wherever it is. And so our family has actually been called to harder places that are, we call them creative access nations instead of closed because nothing's really closed. Um, yeah, just that that shift of, well, I don't necessarily want to do this because I know it's going to be hard, but that that, but a soul is so much more worth than my comfort, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, was that always um, kind of a thought of? this is just a realization that you had, or was there ever a personal element of a time when God spoke to you, like, and just, you felt directly from him, this call, or was it just a mixture of the two? Yeah, it was definitely a mixture of the two. Um, So I think that initial trip really stirred, like started the stirring of that, of like, oh my gosh, these people, like their only hope is Jesus. And I know that God can use anyone, but 
he can also use me. You know, that that's another realization of like, I can actually go like I can. So why, almost, almost why not? Um, after we got married, we spent three months in Kolkata, India, just volunteering with the missionaries of charity. And it really was there that the Lord specifically gave us a heart for the lost and just kind of that picture of one soul. Like even if we spend our whole lives somewhere and one person comes to know him, that's so worth it. Like that's so worth us spending our lives for that one, that one person. So that was in India that, yeah, we really felt that go, they're worth it. It doesn't matter what it costs. And just saying yes. Yeah, that's a big realization too. Just even mm-hmm. for the one, because that was Jesus's mindset, the 99 versus mm-hmm. the one. Yeah, that's a pretty neat um, thing to experience, I think. So with that, you didn't always have this mindset of going into ministry, did you? Or missions, really. Um, So this was kind of something that started to take shape. Did you find that you were Mm -hmm. naturally, like, missions-oriented? Like, you just knew, you know, evangelizing and that kind of thing? Or was that something God developed in you or kind of showed you creative ways for you to carry out? Yeah. So I had always wanted to be involved in ministry, um, but my heart originally was just for not just, that sounds terrible. It was for the local church in America, since that's where I'm from. And my, I had two specific youth leaders that really made an impact on my life. And one of them was the only person who ever really called me out on something um, before I really had an encounter with Jesus. I had a pretty foul mouth, which was, is what it is. But I remember something slipped, you know, like I said something at church, a word I should not have said. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, it slipped out. And this one youth leader said, well, if it slipped out, it means you must be saying it an awful lot that you can't even like control that. And that was the first time anyone called me out. And I saw how that kind of even set like, oh, you actually care enough to call me out on something. Cause that's really what it is, right? If you don't, you're not calling someone to a higher standard, you're like, oh, you're fine where you are, even if they're not, um, that really set my heart to be like, I want to be able to do that for, for other people. I've always had a heart for ministry, but it wasn't until I was in college that I felt uh, stirring for missions overseas specifically. So you got into missions and with that, you know, you had this heart for ministry, but this is kind of your first experience outside of that. Um, from there, what kind of path did you take? I guess, um, were you in college when you were in India or was that after college? Mm, that was after college. So a year, it was like a year and a half after we got married and we were both working pretty good jobs, making money. And we quickly realized that we were, um, for lack of better term, falling into the Christian American dream. And we didn't, we didn't want it. We felt really unsettled because we had had these experiences before And we knew that for us, God was calling us to something different. And so even though it looks fine and it's for many people, it is fine for us. We knew that that was actually walking in disobedience to what God called us to. Um, So we quit our jobs, sold our stuff, grabbed our hiking backpacks. And that's when we went to India. We really were like, where's the poorest place we can think of? Because we felt like God said to learn how to selflessly serve and then to get grounded in his word. So we went to the poorest city we knew, 
just served there for three months. And then we moved to Taiwan for nine months and did a very intensive Bible school there. Wow. I like what you said about feeling unsettled because I know plenty of people could be in, you know, like you said, you originally were wanting to be in the local church and so mm-hmm. the local church and that's a perfectly um that's a perfectly good thing that God uses but for you it was this feeling of being unsettled and it was God leading you to something else which I think is such an important yes. distinction. Yeah, so after you did that, what kind of happened next? Taiwan, you went to Taiwan, what was next? Yeah. Yes, then we actually found out we were pregnant uh, with our first son in Armenia, which was our outreach after the Bible school. And so we decided to come back to the United States to kind of share. He's the first grandbaby on both sides. So we're like, we feel like we should share him before we leave to some other foreign country or whatever. Um, And so, yeah, we had already felt like the Lord leading us to Denver, to the Youth with Mission base in Arvada. And so we were back in Pennsylvania for six months and then moved out to Colorado. We figured that was kind of like a good compromise, if you will. Um, we also knew that's what God said. So it wasn't a full compromise for our family. So we were still in the United States. They could fly out to visit us, but we were also doing what the Lord called us to. And it was really cool because I felt like the Lord is being so gracious to me because I originally felt a call to like the American church and youth group and stuff like that. And my husband was called, he wanted to go like swing in the jungles of the Amazon in a loincloth kind of like extreme. And I was like, that sounds terrifying. But here we got the opportunity to do three months of lecture with our students here in Colorado, which is amazing. And then we led many teams overseas where we were sometimes in mud huts in Africa, or we were in the jungle in Colombia and different things like that. So it was a really cool start kind of launch to our overseas missions to have both. Yeah. Yeah. I love how God does do that. He brings people together. I could definitely relate to that with me and my (laughs) husband having completely different ideas of what it was supposed to look like and then realizing, well, actually God can lead us together into something that it's fulfilling mm-hmm. for both of us. Yeah. It's so cool how he does that. Um, now with the, um, with, I guess, leading teams overseas, what was your role in that? I'm curious to hear what kind of ways did you serve teams in that capacity? Yeah. So originally when we had just a few kids, um, I was very involved in the day-to-day ministry with our team. We would partner with the local churches and missions organizations that were on the ground and kind of serve them however would be most beneficial um, because as a short-term team, you know, we're very limited in what we can do. Um, And so I, my main goal was to walk with our female students through their processing of that time and what the Lord was teaching them and how they were growing and being challenged while also strapping my kid on my back and just going and doing all the things. Um, As we had more kids that changed slightly just because the reality of, well, they're not able to do that. What about naps? And what about, you know, all these things we brought our kids as young as 10 months old, I think was the youngest that they came on overseas trips with us or or that we went on overseas trips. They've always come with us. Um, So yeah, that changed a little bit to much more of just a, of, I don't know, I'd say maybe like just a mentoring um, thing and really interceding for the team because often I had to stay back. And instead of looking at that as, 
I'm just with my kids or these kids are weighing me down, you know, like I can't do what I really want to do. God gave me really a heart to pray. Like that is actually just as powerful and needed as our team going out and ministering that, yeah, that I was actually ministering as well. And that was a pretty cool shift that he walked me through. So now you were leading these teams overseas. Um, what occurred between then? Did you go straight from there into work with China? What was that? Because that was a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the last school outreach that we led as a family was actually to China. And it was while we were there that we really felt a draw to move there. Um, so just a little bit of a backstory with that is we've always wanted to go overseas, but we felt like God was saying, I actually want you in Colorado for this season. And we kept asking him like, okay, when are we going to move? Should we study a language? Should we learn about a people group or whatever, all those questions. And we felt like I'm saying, just wait, just wait, just wait, like focus on what I have in front of you. And so during our time in China, we both felt like, wow, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for because we stopped asking. And that's when the Lord really was like, okay, now I'm, now you're ready actually, because you're more, you're more focused on me than what you're going to be doing for me, which is huge. Um, and it, yeah, after the trip, was it was so hard because I had three small kids. The nature of being there, we were not involved in almost, we were, yeah, we were almost uninvolved in everything because we couldn't go on two hour prayer walks or, you know, my little small children are not going to do that. Um, so it was really hard, but I kept feeling like this could be home, this could be home this could be home. This doesn't make sense. And so at the end of the trip, my husband said, Hey, would you consider praying about moving to China? And I'm like, okay, this is going to sound even crazier, but like, yeah, like, yes, like the Lord's already spoken to me about it. I don't really even have to like, yes, we should do that. Um, so that was, that was about three years before we ended up moving there. Um, cause we were in some leadership roles at the campus and had to transition well and had people feel fulfill mainly my husband's roles. Um, so that brought us to actually moving there. Yeah. That's a pretty crazy decision, even with just those kids. <laughs> and also uh-huh. the fact that you're moving there with this heart of ministry into like you called it creative access country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's crazy. Can you share a little bit about, so once you moved there, what kind of stuff were you doing? Yeah. So it was really interesting. So we went there initially language learning. Um, so my husband studied for a year at the university, Chinese. And while we were there, people kept asking us, okay, so you're here with five children. You're a self-paced student. You have like an apartment that fits you guys. What are you really doing? And pretty quickly we were like, oh, well, like we're, we're studying Chinese, but we weren't in a major coastal city where there's lots of foreigners or anything like that, where you would typically say, oh, that'd be a really wise place to go study the language. We were in a yeah, very inland remote city. Um, so pretty quickly we were like, okay, we need to strategize with the Lord and say, what, what else should we be doing? Cause this isn't wise for security reason for our family. And um, so we ended up teaching at the university, the same university that he studied at. We were teaching English, which was really fun. Um, we had so many students, we were able to invite them over to our home and we celebrated Christmas with them and Easter and different holidays where for us from America, we were actually able to share 
the gospel because it was culturally appropriate within those holidays, we're under normal circumstances. There's no way that we'd be able to, like we showed a Christmas movie during Christmas where it was Jesus. I mean, it was the movie, the star. I don't know if anyone's heard of that, but it's a do- the story of the nativity through the donkey's perspective. And at the end, they're like, this is Jesus, like all the fulfillment of all the prophecies and all the animals at one point say Jesus. And as we watched it in our class, it was silent until that, until the Jesus and almost every single student said Jesus, like for the first time. And I started crying because I was like, this is, that's probably the first time that any of them have said the name of Jesus. Like that reality was pretty impactful that we, we didn't have tons of opportunities to share, but those moments I believe count, you know, like I believe that they were planting seeds and the Lord is doing things to soften hearts. Um, He put me in contact with some women who were followers of Jesus, who I was able to begin to build relationships with and encourage them and their marriages and in their parenting and in their walk with the Lord. So that was really cool. Um, Yeah. We also did a really fun English camp that we were, had eight or nine young students. So this is very different than our university teaching Um, elementary age kids that came to our house for a whole week for like seven hours a day. And we really felt like we were supposed to focus on biblical principles where we maybe couldn't talk about Jesus explicitly, but to lay the foundation of some biblical principles and the way that we were communicating and the way that we expected them to communicate with one another and different things like that. So that was really fun. We didn't see a lot um, like actually happen, but I know that there were so many seeds that were planted and now we're just trusting that the Lord's going to be the one to water and see them grow. Yeah, that's such a unique ministry. And um, I'm curious if you ever were afraid of any interactions or opportunities you might have seen like, okay, here's where I can share, but you're like a little bit timid. Um, Can you share both what you might have faced if something had gone Mm -hmm. wrong? And just if there were any moments where you felt a little bit afraid of that? Yeah, so definitely, um, definitely teaching for sure. We heard rumors, but I don't know if it's true that there is a mole in each English class because it's foreign teachers. So there's kind of an expectation that if you're a foreigner, you're probably a Christian because America equals Christian Christianity in their eyes. Um, so we've heard that there's a mole that if you were to say anything inappropriate, that they would stand up and be like, you can't say that. And you'd probably get fired and get kicked out as a foreigner. So that's the worst that really, that's the worst that can happen. Maybe they'd interrogate you or fear, you know, it would be fear-based, but nothing, nothing would actually happen. Um, which that part was like, okay, like that's, that's bad, but that's not terrible. You know, <laughs> I don't know that perspective, but I remember at Christmas actually. So I had two different classes that I was teaching and we watched the clips of the, the nativity story. And the, my second class, I really felt in my spirit that I was supposed to go more and talk about not just Jesus's birth, but why it was so significant because of what he came and how he, you know, lived a perfect life and died. And that's, we also have this holiday called Easter and all that. And I was so, I was really scared. So I was like, this is going to be it. Like I'm going, someone's going to call me out and we're going to get kicked out because of this. 
but I really felt like I was supposed to do it. And I didn't feel that in the first class, but I felt in the second class that I was supposed to just go for it. And even if I get kicked out, it's for sharing the gospel. So who, who cares really, you know? And so I did, I just kept going. I didn't stop at Jesus' birth. And it was really cool because people, I mean, I believe that it was the first time that most of them have ever heard the full gospel. And to just see, no one talk to me about it afterwards or ask questions or anything, but people's faces were like, what? You know, like they'd never, never heard. Like, why would someone come and die for you? What? That doesn't make sense logically. So to even know that those, that story is in their mind and in their heart is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is pretty neat. And I, I think that's so important too. the fact that it was not just sharing for the sake of sharing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you can err on two sides. You can be, you know, one, keep it too quiet and you just never, never say anything that could jeopardize you. But then on the other hand, you could just share to share and be like, you know what? You know, if I get persecuted, so be it. And it just like uh-huh. the fact that you were specifically led by God into a specific opportunity. One class, yeah. it was not that was not what he wanted. But then the second class, he, he stirred your Mm -hmm. spirit and it was specific from God. I love that little distinction there that you had. Now, the big question is you were in China and COVID hit. Mm -hmm. How was that experience for you? Share a little bit about how that affected you and your family and everything that was going on. Yeah, that changed everything, as I'm sure so many people can attest to, right? There's like before COVID and then after COVID. It's definitely one of those markers of your lives. Um, But so we were actually out of the country, out of China, when COVID started. We were taking a family vacation over the Chinese New Year because everything pretty much shuts down. So most foreigners take that opportunity to leave. Um, So we were actually in South Korea when we could not get back in. Our flight got canceled. So we rebooked it. It got canceled again. And we were just kind of like, okay, what, what do we do? Like, so I said, we were on vacation. We have seven people in our family. We had four carry on suitcases between the seven of us. So we're expecting to go back home to our home, to all our things, to our jobs, to our cat, to all the things. And we made a really hard decision. Um, to come back to the United States for, you know, just a few weeks um, to kind of let it pass over there and we'll see what happens. Full, full assurance and full hope that we would be returning within a month. That was like our long, like that would be crazy if we were in the United States for a whole month. So, yeah. Yeah. So ultimately it was more than a month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm curious because you mentioned how you felt like God was keeping you from moving overseas for all this time. And then mm-hmm. finally you get this kind of release to go to China and you spend, I mean, arguably kind of a short amount of time there before mm-hmm. you just really back out of it. So what was that transition like? Did you question God at all in how he was leading you? Did you question your decision to move to China in the first place? Like what kind of things were going on with that? Yes, to all of that. There was <laughs> so much questioning and wrestling and honestly confusion and did was that a mistake like did we just waste a year and a half of our lives did we just like mess up our kids because now that had it had just started to become home so we were there for a year and a half which is it is a short period of time that's like you're just starting to make that actual transition to it being home 
Um, they actually say it usually takes like two years. So we really weren't at that full, this is home, but it was just starting to get there and relationships and all that stuff. Um, so it was really hard or even thinking like, should we have gone somewhere else in the interim? Like if we went to Thailand, for example, there was a short time where we have friends that were in Thailand and they were able to get back into China. There was like this small window. So we're like, did we miss it? Like, what is happening? I'm so confused. Um, and it was, for me, it was really difficult um, to see and hear from the Lord clearly because I think there was so much craziness just with the reality of COVID also, right? So it's not even just my experience and my circumstances. It's this global thing that everyone's kind of losing their minds and no one knows what's what or how this works or anything. So it was like my chaos was big for me, but I also was looking at this global thing of like, we don't even have it bad. Like we were on my in-laws farm where we could be outside and have all this freedom, you know, to do whatever we wanted, really order groceries and so many things. So it was a really interesting back and forth in my mind and my heart of like, this is like destroying, (laughs) destroying our lives to not sound dramatic, but then the reality of like, okay, but there's so much worse going on because of this. Um, That was really, I think just a lot of noise for me. Um, and it took, it really took me getting to a pretty low place, um, of being genuinely desperate for the Lord to, to speak, to intervene, to quiet down all the noise and chaos that I was experiencing in my heart and my mind, um, to feel peace, to realize that I actually gave up my peace, um, by allowing all this noise to take place of that and to say like, God, I, you say you give peace. Like you are the Prince of peace. I, I need you. I need you above the calling that I have above your plans for my life above anything. Like I need you and your peace because I don't, I can't move forward. Like I literally can't move forward in my normal day to day in my parenting and my marriage and the call that you have for me. Like I can't move forward. I need you. That was pretty significant. Yeah, I think that's a really important idea. And I don't want to rush too quickly over it. Just this Mm -hmm. fact, I think a lot of people probably experience that whether in COVID or some other Mm -hmm. area of life where it's like, well, I I thought God wanted me in this. And now I'm out of it, whether it felt distinctly like God led you out of it, or just felt like got pushed out or something, or maybe Mm -hmm. even felt like you failed, you failed and you got yourself out of it. But being able to cling to God himself rather than the assignment he has you in or the role he has you in, I think that's such an important thing to really get. And it sounds like, you know, it took, it took a lot for you to get there, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's a big, it's a big deal. So as you were learning that, I don't know if you tried to get back into, I mean, I'm sure you were trying to get back into China, but Mm -hmm. now you've kind of settled in Colorado. So how did that occur where you were trying to get back in? And then there's kind of this 180 of actually let's stay. Yeah. So we, (laughs) that's a good question. Um, We, it was, it was about a whole year that we were in Pennsylvania and we just decided like, okay, we're in this weird holding pattern where we're not doing anything we couldn't do anything though, right? Like you're even like, well, what if we've just volunteered at 
our church there. Well, they're still not meeting in person. So there's not even like opportunities for us to do anything. Um, but we had heard of the campus out here in Colorado Springs and that they have a really cool heart for sending and sustaining overseas workers. And so we had talked about, well, let's maybe kind of visit what it could look like to partner with them to relaunch. Cause we're still thinking any, any month and it surely this is going to get better, right? There's always that kind of, kind of hope. Um, and so we actually came out here in December, 2020. And my friend actually said that she had a dream three years prior that we were going to move to Colorado Springs. And I pretty quickly left it off um, of like, we're not mo- like, we're still going overseas. We just kind of want to partner and have relationship, but we are going back to China like next month. Um, we ended up moving out here two months later. So that was just kind of a funny story that we felt very strongly. You guys have been alone too long. That was part of, for me, especially that was part of my struggle of kind of getting out of all that noise and chaos was that we were, it was, we were just with my in-laws, which was amazing, but we are used to community and we need that community. Um, so to even have that voice of, well, I had this dream that you guys were going to come here. It was really easy for me to just be like, no, where I don't think I normally would have, I would have taken that to the Lord, you know, and been like, God, is there something to this? Is there something that you'd have for us? But because I was very isolated or felt very isolated, it was a lot harder for me. And um, yeah, so we realized we need community for however long we're going to be in the United States, whether it be two months or whether it be now we've been here for over a year. Yeah. And I'm sure you're still figuring things out and still listening to the Lord trying to Mm -hmm. navigate this part. Because I mean, like you said, it kind of takes two years for it to be home, right? So I guess you've Mm -hmm. maybe, yeah, you haven't passed that threshold here yet. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's where we're all at is we're in the middle of a journey and we're not in a storybook that ends, you know, at some sort of happy ending. It's just we're in life and God is leading us and writing mm-hmm. his story through it. And his is the one that has the happy ending. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. thanks for sharing all of that. Um, I'd yeah. like to switch over for the last part of our interview and just talk about your perception of the church. And since you have this unique perspective of having spent time in China, I would love to hear your thoughts on that because like based on what you've said about China, we probably won't have any guests from China on this podcast Mm -hmm. um, for the time being. But if you could share just what you observed about the church, kind of what defines it, um, what the state of it is, I'd love to hear your observations. Yeah, of course. So there are really two churches, I guess you could say. There is the state church and then there is the underground church. And the state church is, I mean, it's, alive and well. And I think it's a really cool opportunity for people to go and be a part of what God is doing to build relationships. Um, it's very controlled. So you are, you know, everyone knows who's going. So you're monitored in that way. Um, the messages are approved or not approved. And so it's very curated, um, what's acceptable to say and what's not. Um, but, like I said, I think that it's a really strategic thing to build relationships um, to then have people in your home and then you can share whatever. Um, and then there is some, actually there's probably three churches because there's then your underground of local believers. But then there's also an, in, in like our city is we weren't allowed to meet corporately. 
there was this time where we were renting out like a conference room at a motel eight or some, there's some equivalent of that, but they stopped allowing us to even meet as only foreigners, foreign believers. And they said, no more, you can't do that. There wasn't even a lot of us. So we had to also go into just homes, which was just really interesting coming from the United States where there's so much freedom. And it's like, well, but we're white, we're foreigners, we're not, where it's okay. But even that wasn't okay. Um, but so there was a cool understanding of like, wow, like I can't even imagine that this is just the reality of the vast majority of the church in this nation. And um, one of the things that I know one of the questions previously on that paper was like, with people choosing to follow the Lord, like the, the underground church is not just alive and well, but multiplication. And it's not just a qua- like quantity of people, because that's for sure happening, but it's like the quality for lack of better word, because when you make a decision to follow Jesus as a local, like as a Chinese person, you are really counting the cost where I can, if, if it's found out or if it's, you know, if I get in trouble for something about Jesus, I will, I will get kicked out. If a local does, it's a lot worse. Their families can leave them there. They can lose their jobs or they can go missing like that. That's reality. And that happens. Um, so they're all in, in a way that is rare to see outside of that kind of context that they're like sold out for Jesus, but they're also so wise, you know, cause you can't kind of like what you said before, like you're not just going to share too much just for the sake of sharing it because there is the real cost, you know, and they realize that in a way that I couldn't even really, cause that's not my day to day reality, even living there where, yeah, that's, it was really beautiful to hear stories. Um, unfortunately we could not ever even go to one of their fellowships because it would just draw too much attention um, because everyone's always being watched, which is a strange feeling, but that's just the reality of living over there. Yeah, that's cool. I love the phrase you use. They really have to count the cost of discipleship. Like mm-hmm. it just reminds me of that passage in, I think it's Luke talking about it. You just, before you build a building, you have to count the cost of the material and make sure that yes. you're willing and the cost of that material, <laughs> the cost of their mm-hmm. following Jesus is just, it's extreme sometimes. Um, yeah. But I think that's so neat and so encouraging to hear because I think sometimes, maybe, I mean, I've definitely had this personally, you can you can think of the persecuted church or the, um, the nations where it's just not open to Christianity and feel pity or feel sorry for them or feel like, mm-hmm. oh, that's like so sad over there. But really, it's thriving. It's really yeah. just, it's so alive in those areas for the reason that you mentioned that they know what what it's all about. They know the cost. And yeah, yeah sometimes I'm like, well, I guess we're kind of missing out <laughs> sometimes in America. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And that, that really was yeah. encouraging. Um, to wrap up, uh, I would love to hear just some of your prayer requests um, for you, your local church body, um, your local area, your family, and then yourself. What kind of things can we be praying for you? Yeah, that's great. Um, I think for our family is kind of wisdom in our next steps. We That unsettled feeling that I spoke about before is we still feel that because we know 
that our family's calling is not to be here. We don't know exactly what that means right now because the doors are very closed to go back to China. Um, but yeah, just for wisdom and guidance and really the father's creativity, I think is, is something that would be so amazing um, because these creative access nations that we feel called to, um, yeah, just his creativity and grace for our, our kids. They've just been through so much transition um, of here's home and here's not, and here's moving. And, oh, you know, they never want to move, but once we get there, it becomes home pretty quick for them. So being uprooted from that so many times, is just hard. Um, so grace for them, for their hearts. The Lord's already been speaking to them specifically about moving again. And yeah, so it's been really sweet, but just for more of that, um, for our area, I think for our campus specifically, we've had a lot of a lot of really big words from the Lord, and they're pretty. I I don't know about scary, but kind of you know how sometimes God says big things, and you're like that can only happen with you, which is good, but also it's a little scary. Um, so for faith in that, but also with COVID, we have become a very. Um, Americanized base, <laughs> just the reality, you know, like we have even a few students from Canada that are having trouble getting down here. And, um, our foreigners are just, they just can't come right now because of COVID stuff. So just praying for a breakthrough in that, that we are called to be a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-denominational, multi-generational base. And it's really hard to do that in COVID. Um, so for that, and that's in our area too. The church that we go to is actually very multicultural and it's so beautiful and exciting what the Lord is doing with reconciliation and so many, so many cool things. And so, yeah, if you guys could just be praying with me that that would like expand out from not just in our church, but to see it just multiply throughout, throughout this part of Colorado. Um, and then for me personally, I think in every transition, there is kind of a relearning of what my role is. I think like for lack of a better word, my role um, with my kids and with our family and what serving really looks like and what areas I need to lay down and what new things I need to pick up. Um, that's always kind of a constant question in my mind and prayer in my heart of, okay, God, like, what are you doing now? Like, in this season and in this circumstance, what should I be doing? How can I partner with you? Um, so just for this stillness to hear uh, his response and uh, because there's always a lot going on and all the voices and noise and chaos. Um, but yeah, that I would really be able to see his heart for us in this season and then the season that's coming up that we know he's calling us to. We just don't know the details, but that I would, yeah, just be able to hear him clearly and just then be obedient to whatever it is no matter how absurd or crazy it sounds um, yeah just be able to say yes thank you for listening to the adorned women podcast if you enjoyed what you heard here then follow us on our instagram for even more great content all week long our handle is at adorned women you can also visit our website at www.adornedwomen.com and of course Join us again next week as we connect with another sister in Christ and learn so much from her life of faith. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.